0: Coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. What unpleasant event in your life did you make a response to, to yourself by saying, no one will ever treat me like that again. No one's ever gonna hurt me like that again. I'm never gonna be poor again. Well, I'm never gonna do, I'm I'm this, I'm this. You didn't turn it toward God, you turned it toward yourself. Back into your past, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, their lives affected your life very directly, whether you realize that or not. And then when you look forward into your future and your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, you will have a profound effect upon them. My life right now has a profound effect on my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, right on down the line. And we just need to realize this and understand that we can make that positive or negative. We, We have the right to choose there. Righteousness or sin, health or unhealth, blessing or cursing, wealth or poverty, education or ignorance, pleasure or pain. All of us have this generational connection and we decide our legacy and we have the power to change a bad legacy. Listen, whatever your past was, you can have the future that you choose and that's the blessing of of this teaching. Now Karen and I, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say now. We want to be the end of all generational problems in our family. And we want to be the beginning of blessing for a thousand generations. We want to stand up and stop every negative issue that has been transferred to us. All, all the iniquities, all the problems. And we want to transfer a blessing to our children and grandchildren. So here's how to stop the hurt legacy and begin a legacy of blessing. Okay? The first is make peace with the past. And I want to talk about two specific issues. And they are iniquities and inner vows. THESE ARE TWO HUGE ISSUES. I'VE NEVER MET A PERSON THAT DIDN'T HAVE AN INIQUITY IN HER VOWS. EVERY PERSON I KNOW HAS THESE, AND, and I HAD MULTIPLE uh, IN, in vows AND INIQUITIES, AND SO DID KAREN. AND SO PARENTS, IN DEUTERONOMY CHAPTER 6, HERE'S WHAT GOD SAYS TO PARENTS. YOU SHALL LOVE THE LORD YOUR GOD WITH ALL YOUR HEART, WITH ALL YOUR SOUL, AND WITH ALL YOUR STRENGTH. AND THESE WORDS WHICH I COMMAND YOU TODAY SHALL BE IN YOUR HEART. YOU SHALL TEACH THEM DILIGENTLY TO YOUR CHILDREN, AND SHALL TALK OF THEM WHEN YOU SIT IN YOUR HOUSE when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your on your house and on your gates. Now, two, two commandments there. The first is, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not prepared to parent until you have a relationship with God. You cannot be the parent that you need to be unless you have a dependency upon the Lord and you're a godly parent. Now, in Genesis chapter one, GOD CAME TO ADAM AND EVE AND HE PUT HIS IMAGE ON THEM AND THEN SAID, GO AND uh, FILL THE EARTH AND MULTIPLY AND FILL THE EARTH. HE PUT HIS IMAGE ON THEM AND THEN COMMANDED THEM TO MULTIPLY. WE ARE IMAGE-BEARERS TO OUR CHILDREN. THE NUMBER ONE RESPONSIBILITY OF PARENTS IS TO SHOW THE CHARACTER OF GOD TO YOUR CHILDREN. BUT EVERY PARENT IS IMPERFECT. NO PARENT IS PERFECT, BUT SOME ARE MORE PERFECT THAN OTHERS. AND SO GOD SAID THIS. You love me with all of your hearts, and you teach your children diligently my word. This is Ephesians 6, 4 in the New Testament. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That is specifically addressed to fathers, by the way, because fathers are responsible for the education of their children, not mothers. Mothers obviously are just as important as fathers, but Fathers are supposed to lead. They're supposed to be the, 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 the leader of the home. Take the initiative of the well-being of the home. And it says don't, uh, don't you know, provoke your children to wrath. Here's what provokes children to wrath is barking at them without showing them how to do it. Don't do that. Do this. And you bark at non-relational parenting, barking at parenting. We're supposed to patiently teach our children the way to do things. We're supposed to walk next to our children. It says when they're lying on their bed at night, when they're rising up in the morning, when you're sitting in the house, in your house, when you're on your way somewhere, diligently take those times, those contemplative times, and diligently teach your children. And I say this to all parents, and I know we know this, it's not the church's responsibility or the school's responsibility to educate your children, raise your children, it's your responsibility. AND WE CAN COME ALONGSIDE YOU AND PARTNER WITH YOU IN THAT PROCESS, BUT DON'T LET THE TV RAISE YOUR CHILDREN. DON'T LET THE COMPUTER RAISE YOUR CHILDREN. DON'T LET SOMEBODY ELSE RAISE YOUR CHILDREN. YOU RAISE YOUR CHILDREN. AND DON'T TRUST THEM WITH A PHONE. AND DON'T TRUST THEM WITH A COMPUTER. MY KIDS SAID ONE TIME, YOU DON'T TRUST ME? IT'S LIKE, OF COURSE I DON'T TRUST YOU. (laughs) YOU KNOW, YOU'RE A CHILD. YOU'RE BEING TEMPTED. I'm gonna smell you breath, smell your breath, look you in the eye, and check everything you got three times. <laughs> your child, you're being tempted. In this world that we have right now, there's never been a world this evil. Check your children out. Let me say, your children won't mind as long as you love them and you're having fun with them. If, you're, if you are coming alongside your child in a relational way, and you are befriending your children, I'm, your children don't have to like you all the time, but I'm saying. You have a relationship with your kids. You're not barking at your kids. You're not leaving your children to be raised by somebody else, but you're raising your children. You're spending time with your children. And in the process of that, you hold them accountable. And so we are responsible, A, for being a good example to our children and training our children upright. Let me say this, wherever you are godly and you train your children upright, your children grow up like this. They don't have a bent toward those things because they saw it properly. But all of us are imperfect. I was an imperfect parent. Karen was an imperfect parent. And so you're, we're all imperfect. And when we're imperfect, our children will get a bent toward the behavior that we're involved in. Here's an example of iniquities. Anger. I'm not talking about just being angry. We all get angry. I'm talking about bad anger, dealing with anger in improper ways: Substance abuse, chauvinism, sexism, physical abuse, racism, bigotry, verbal abuse, immorality, pride sexual abuse, negativity, dishonesty, materialism, perfectionism, divorce, gossip, unforgiveness, greed, conditional love, performance, motivation, all those kinds of things like that, those can be iniquities, things that our parents did that we pick up a tendency toward. And so you say, well, I don't know if I have iniquities or not, let me ask you these questions, and you can kind of think these things through regarding iniquities for yourself. Were the things you were exposed to while you were growing up biblically sound and morally correct? I mean, was your family a, a godly family? The way the way people in your family resolved conflict, was it right? The way your family handled money, the way your parents treated others and attitudes about the opposite sex, attitudes towards submission to God in the Bible, attitudes toward children and values in life. I mean, were you were you raised in a family where the values and and just the beliefs of your family and practices, was it biblical, was it a was it God the kind of family? Secondly, do you practice the same things you didn't agree with or like about your parents? And see, here's the terrible thing about iniquities. We don't like what our parents did and we end up doing it. My father was a finger snapper. My, my father, when we were in trouble, there's two ways you knew you were in trouble. He snapped his fingers and said, little man, that means you're about to die. <laughs> my brothers and I call each other little man to this day when I'm not calling them Damien and Lucifer behind their back, but they, but my dad would go, little man, like that, and I, I just, ugh, just hated that. And I thought, I just, somebody snapping their fingers at me just goes all over me. Well, Julie, our daughter, when she was a little baby, she did something one day, and I said, hey, what? what? It just went off, I didn't drive. So you got your little recorder going on when you're a kid being raised by your parents, and you've got an audio and video recorder, and no one is more profoundly uh, influencing your life when you're growing up than your parents. You've got that video archive. And so when you're an adult, and now life begins to punch on you and press you, you go to that video archive and you retrieve it. Like it or not, we are normally going to respond the way our parents responded. There was a lady that came up to Karen one day, and she said, my mother is the most negative person in the world. I hate talking to her, she's the most negative person in the world, and Karen very lovingly told this woman, she said, you do know that you're very negative too. And she said, what? And she said, you're always very negative. And she said, you're, you're just like your mother, but you don't know it, and she didn't, and, but she was. And she broke that iniquity off of her life.
1: Find hope and healing from the pain you carry with Jimmy's inspiring series, The Hurt Pocket, available on CD, DVD, or as a digital download. We'll also include Jimmy's companion book, When Life Hurts. The Hurt Pocket series on CD or audio download and the book are yours for a gift of $65 or more. Or receive the series on DVD or video download and the book for $90 or more. The Hurt Pocket series will show you how to identify and resolve the hurts of life. God's desire to heal and redeem you, and the steps to making peace with your past.
0: Let me tell you about the silly thing about hiding from God. You're hiding from your healer. When he touches pain, it doesn't hurt. When he touches pain, it goes away.
1: When you support the overcoming life with an online gift of any amount, we'll send you Jimmy's book, When Life Hurts. Create a positive legacy as you heal from the hurts of life. Experience the Hurt Pocket series today.
0: Let me talk for just a minute about how to break family iniquities. You say, "Well, my family wasn't biblical in some areas, and I didn't. I do notice that I've got some of those same tendencies." Here's how. Here's how to break iniquities. Number one, recognize the problem as a sin. You know, just call it what it is. If it's uh, chauvinism, my family, my grandfather and his brothers were chauvinistic. They just were. My uncle in California. We. Uh, this was one of my grandfather's brothers. My great uncle, we went to stay with them. And uh, my aunt, uh, his wife, my great aunt, she was just great, she, but she was always busy. And my, my grandfather and, and my, his brother, they never did anything for themselves. Their wife waited them hand and foot. So my dad, we were in California staying with him, and my dad said to him, how do you get her to do that? I mean, serve you all the time. And here's what my great uncle said to my dad. ML, there's no use in having a dog and doing your own barking. He was talking about if you have a wife, she's supposed to do all the chores for you. No use you, not you having a dog and doing your own barking. Well, my family was full of chauvinism. Men were better than women. I was raised that way. Now, my father wasn't as much that way, but my grandfather probably had the greatest influence on my life growing up. I, just, I, my grand, I would see my grandfather, my grandmother waiting on my grandfather, and I just thought, A, that's of the Lord, <laughs> and B, I want one of those. And when I married, my, my grandfather, this is no, I'm not joking, my grandfather would run out of coffee. My grandfather never dialed the phone for himself, never shaved himself, never did one thing for himself. My grandmother waited on him hand and foot. And my grandfather, when he was out of coffee, he would reach over and thump his coffee cup and she'll, she'd go get him more. Nonverbal commands are the ultimate. She'd up, one time I thumped my ass tea glass because it was empty. Karen said, you better be killing the fly, pal. You <laughs> She's never trained well. She's never trained well. I've tried my very best. But I was a dyed-in-the-wool chauvinist. And when I learned about iniquities, I realized that's a sin in my life I've got to repent of because women are absolutely equal to men in every way. God, God made women a little bit physically weaker so they wouldn't take over the universe but they're equal in every other way. So you just recognize it and say, negativity, bri- pride, immorality, verbal abuse, you know, substance abuse, this is my family, and I realize I've got that tendency. Number two, take responsibility for your sin or problem and just repent. Don't blame other people. Don't go through your life saying, well, because my parents did this, I'm this way. Well, life doesn't form me. My response to life forms me. Regardless of what someone did to me, I can rise above it. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. And so... Lord, I take responsibility for being a chauvinist, and I realize where it came from, but now I take responsibility to treat women differently and I repent. Number three, forgive your parents and others. Don't, don't hate your parents. You know, when I was growing up, I would see the things that my parents did, and sometimes I would think they're crazy. You know, why are they this way? When, as an adult, now that I know all that happened to them in their childhood, it's amazing how normal my parents were. They, they were remarkable people to live as successfully as they did based on where they came from. Give your parents some mercy. Give your parents some grace. Forgive them and bless them. Regardless of what happened to you, it's the mother of all issues related to being free from your past. When you have bitterness towards your past or your parents, there's an invisible umbilical cord connecting you to that moment and to them, even if they're dead. You'll never be free and you'll never be healed until you forgive them and give them grace and mercy. The next is submit that area to God. It's just, In other words, you you, you realize I've got this bent, I've got this iniquity. Well, how do you get rid of it? Jesus, I submit this area to you. My mouth, my anger, my emotions, my morals, the way I view other people, whatever, I submit this to you. Lord, and I'm asking you to teach me in this area, and here's what happens to an iniquity. And the last step is very simple. Break it off of your life in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I break this iniquity off my life and off my family. No longer will this affect me and my children. From this generation forward, I declare a blessing and I break this iniquity. Let me talk about one other issue. Give the Lord a hand on that if you want to, that's great. Again, I've never met a person that didn't have multiple iniquities. And And I know as I'm speaking that you know as you listen to this, you're just, I know you know you've got iniquities if you haven't broken them off your life. Well, the other is inner vows and inner vows are kind of the opposite of iniquities and being free from your past and breaking the generational cycle off of your life and off of your family, the other is inner vows. And an inner vow is a self-directed promise resulting from an unpleasant experience or hurt from a life situation by a parent or someone else. Uh, It's just, we comfort ourselves with inner vows. And examples of inner vows is, I'll never treat my children like that. I'll never spank my children. I'll never make my kids wear hand-me-downs. I'll never be poor again. I'll never make my kids work like this. No one is ever going to hurt me again. I'll never let my husband wife treat me like that. On and on. It, but we don't mean these things to be bad. We, we're just trying to comfort ourselves. When you're going through a difficult circumstance, it's comforting to say, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back here. This is not going to happen to me again. But the problem with inner vows is, number one, they're unscriptural. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew 5, again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is God's footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one. And you, evil. Evil. Jesus said, when you go around swearing to yourself or anything else, he said, it's evil. And you say, well, why, why is an inner vow evil? Because when you make an inner vow, you become lord of that area of your life, and Jesus isn't. Inner vows completely reject the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you an example. So you go through a difficulty in life, and my dad was lived in abject poverty growing up. It, the poor, probably the poorest person I've ever heard of. Sleep outside every night, in the wintertime slept with the horses, is you're, you're poor and you make yourself this promise, it's a, it's a comforting promise, and you say, I'll never be poor again. Guess who isn't Lord of your finances? No one is ever going to hurt me again. Guess who isn't Lord of your relationships? Every single area of your life where you make it, Jesus said, It's evil. You perform your oaths to the Lord. You don't swear by your head. You don't swear by anything. You perform your oaths to the Lord. You don't have the right to become your own God in your own life. But that's exactly what intervows do. Again, everyone has them. I certainly had them. And also, the other thing about intervows, they cause us to overreact and be unteachable. Let me say this. any, Any area of your life where you have an intervow working, you're unteachable, unapproachable, and a little crazy. I mean, you're just a little little off. Let me give you some examples of this. Uh, I have a friend, very good friend. You you guys would know this person. But uh, when we came to this church, he was the first, I think he was the first guy I met. And he invited us to come over to their home. So Karen and I went over to their home. And uh, he served us soft drinks. I mean, eagerly, uh, aggressively, uh, diligently served us soft drinks. And I had never seen a person that passionate about soft drinks. And your glass would get like half empty and he would immediately go and serve you more soft drink. And he said, like, what do you want? And I said, well, Diet Coke's fine. He opened his cupboards. I'd never seen that many soft drinks outside of a grocery store. (laughs) And I thought, wow, this guy likes soft drinks. Well, what I didn't know is when he was growing up, his mother would not allow soft drinks in the home. And his friends would come over to his home and. They drank water or, you know, like that. And he said to his mother one day, he said, when I grow up, I'm going to have a Coke machine in the middle of my living room for free. You won't have to put money in it. It's just going to be, he was mad. He said, it's going to be there for free. Well, he was in the grocery store one day with his wife, and they're going through the grocery store, and they're going down the aisle of the soft drink aisle, and he is taking these huge thousand-liter bottles and, you know, dumping them in the cart, and she said, that's enough. And he said, you don't tell me What's enough? I'll have as many of these as I want. She was like, whoa, look, he's a little crazy. (laughs) Nicest guy in the world, most sane guy in the world, but talk about soft drinks and (laughs) he lived crazy. You can't talk to him. So I was, when I was growing up, um, we, we weren't poor, but we were next door to it. My parents struggled and, you know, I worked since I was 10 years old, papers and mowing yards, selling donuts, all kinds of stuff. Well, I had... One, I was getting ready for school one day, and I looked in my closet. I had two shirts and one pair of pants, and that's all I had. Sometimes I would kind of steal a shirt from my brother Randy, and he's Lucifer, by the way, and, uh, but I would steal a shirt from my brother Randy and wear it and bring it back and hang it up, and he knew I, I got beat up every time I wore one of his shirts, But but it was worth it sometimes because of how humiliating it was to wear the, you know, same shirt every other day all year long. I just didn't have any clothes. So I remember standing in front of my closet one day and saying, if I get money someday, I'm gonna have clothes. And so, one day, um, my daughter said, dad, uh, you're a clothes horse. I said, I beg your pardon. She said, you're, and Brent, my son said, yeah, she's right, dad, you are a clothes horse. And I said, excuse me? And Karen said, Jimmy, you have too many clothes. And I said, I don't have too many clothes. Our closets are way too small. (laughs) It was so offended. Like, you don't have too many clothes. And the Holy Spirit said, yes, you do. (laughs) And the only thing I could remember was standing and looking at a closet with two shirts and one pair of pants. And when I opened my closet and I saw shirts and suits and pants and shoes, I just thought, isn't this wonderful? <laughs> a little crazy. Intervals are like, they're the opposite of an iniquity. You see your parents doing something, you'll say, I'll never do that. But where you have an, uh, an vow operating, you're like a drunk man trying to get on a horse. You're crazy. And one generation is in this ditch, and you make an vow, so you, to like a drunk man trying to get on a horse, you fall into this ditch. You're pointing under the horse at your parents saying, well, at least I'm not in the ditch you're in, (laughs) but no one's on the horse. No generation is free. No generation makes any progress because it's iniquity, inner vow, iniquity, inner vow, reaction, 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 until someone stands up and breaks those things off of our lives. Here's how to break inner vows. The first thing you do is recognize them. When did you make yourself that promise? What... What unpleasant event in your life did you make a response to to yourself by saying, no one will ever treat me like that again. No one's ever gonna hurt me like that again. I'm never gonna be poor again. Well, I'm never gonna do, I'm, I'm this, I'm this. You didn't turn it toward God, you turned it toward yourself. That is sin, that is an inner vow. You recognize it, you, you just repent of it, which just means change your thinking about it. And you say it was wrong. You don't have to feel sad or sorry or cry, you say, it was just wrong, it was wrong for me. AND I MADE MYSELF A PROMISE, AND I BECAME GOD OF THAT AREA OF MY LIFE. AND SO I REPENT, FORGIVE. WHOEVER DID WHATEVER TO to YOU THAT CAUSED YOU, YOU WERE HURT BY AN EX-BOYFRIEND, GIRLFRIEND, HUSBAND, WIFE, STEP-PARENT, PARENT, WHATEVER IT MIGHT HAVE BEEN, THAT INDIVIDUAL THAT CAUSED YOU THAT PAIN, YOU NEED TO FORGIVE THEM. YOU'VE GOT TO FORGIVE THEM. YOU MUST FORGIVE THEM IN ORDER TO BE SET FREE. AND THE NEXT IS YOU SUBMIT THAT AREA TO JESUS AGAIN. AND YOU COME TO JESUS AND SAY, Lord, I. I, I said I'd never be poor again, and Lord, now I'm just obsessed with money. I'm a materialist, and, and I can't give, and I can't obey you in the area of money because you're not Lord of my finances. You're not Lord of my relationships. You're not Lord of all, all these things. Iniquities and vows. I want, I want to read the scripture, and then we're done. Proverbs thirteen twenty two. a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner stored up for the righteous. A good man says this, I want my grandchildren, not just my children, I want my grandchildren to receive a good inheritance off of my life. You do it on purpose. Bad things happen by accident, but good things only happen on purpose. And as we look back into our past and say, I'm going to break iniquities and vows over my life, we look forward into our future and say, and I want my children and grandchildren to receive a blessing from my life. I am making my mind up right now that my life will have a good impact upon future generations. Hope you enjoyed that teaching. You know, one of the greatest truths is that Jesus came to set us free from sin and all of the consequences of sin, all the pain that comes from sin to defeat the devil so that we don't have to live under the influence of his lies and also to free us from the generational bondage, the iniquities, the inner vows, in all the generational bondage that can come with our sin, our parents' sin, somebody else's sin, and certainly the devil's always there to try to entrench that pain within our lives. And this series is called The Hurt Pocket. And this series is talking about the fact that we can live totally free from all of the pain, from all the grief, from all the anguish, THAT HAS COME IN OUR LIVES PREVIOUSLY THROUGH REJECTION, THROUGH THE DEATH OF A LOVED ONE, THROUGH LOSS, THROUGH FAILURE, HOWEVER IT CAME, WE CAN BE SET TOTALLY FREE TO LIVE VICTORIOUS AND TO LIVE JOYFUL. AND THAT'S WHAT I PRAY FOR YOU. I PRAY THAT GOD WILL DO A DEEP WORK IN YOUR LIFE SO THAT YOU CAN EXPERIENCE THE FULLNESS OF GOD IN EVERY AREA. WE'RE GOING TO CONTINUE NOW ON THIS SERIES, THE HURT POCKET, SO STAY WITH US. I'LL SEE YOU NEXT TIME HERE ON THE OVERCOMING LIFE.
1: hope and healing from the pain you carry with jimmy's inspiring series the hurt pocket available on cd dvd or as a digital download we'll also include jimmy's companion book when life hurts the hurt pocket series on cd or audio download and the book are yours for a gift of 65 dollars or more or receive the series on dvd or video download and the book for 90 dollars or more the hurt pocket series will show you how to identify and resolve the hurts of life god desire to heal and redeem you and the steps to making peace with your past
0: let me tell you about the silly thing about hiding from God you're hiding from your healer. when he touches pain it doesn't hurt when he touches pain it goes away
1: when you support the overcoming life with an online gift of any amount we'll send you Jimmy's book when life hurts create a positive legacy as you heal from the hurts of life experience the hurt pocket series today
0: I've got some good news for you, and that is you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. A 100% chance.
1: Couples with the strongest marriages, they aren't the ones that never had a reason to give up. They're the ones who just refuse to give up. God is still in the business of raising dead things and bringing them back to life. You're not just gonna stay married forever. You're gonna stay married happily ever after. And that's what we believe when we say that your family has a bright future. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support the overcoming life with your best gift and receive the series, The Hurt Pocket. Join Jimmy and Karen Evans on February 9th and 10th for the EXO 2018 Marriage Conference. Live at Gateway Church in Southlake, Texas or via simulcast at one of hundreds of churches worldwide. Seating is limited, so register today. Visit exomarriage.com.
0: This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.